All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Res City. My name is Krista Schroeder, and I am not one of the normal pastors who's up here on Sunday. I am a member of Res City. I'm on the leadership team, um, and I get to be the speaker today to talk about prayer. So since I'm normally not up here on Sunday morning, um, here's a picture of my family. I can talk about myself a little bit. <laughs> so in the background, that's my husband, Matt. And our dog, Gunther, who's basically like our eldest child. And then I'm holding our one-and-a-half, almost two-year-old daughter, Audrey. Um, and we're walking around the Fridley High School. So this picture is from the summer. We live in Fridley. Um, we host our community group there. And let's see. Something else you should know about me is I teach ninth and 10th grade English. So before we dive into talking about prayer, let's pray. So if you could, would bow your heads in prayer with me. Lord, thank you for gathering us together this morning. As we talk about prayer today, I pray that you would give us wisdom through your spirit to hear from you and to be led by you well so that we could experience you and know you more. Amen. So last week, Pastor Joel talked about cultivating a sensitivity to the spirit so that we can walk with him through our daily lives. So I'm going to talk specifically today about how we can cultivate a sensitivity to the spirit through our prayer lives. And prayer is a giant topic, um, so I want to kind of frame this message through uh, just kind of a slice of prayer life. So I'm going to give a definition that kind of explains that, and then I want to give or start off with a story um, that's also helped frame my prayer life, walking with the Spirit every day. So first, here's a definition. This comes from The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's a book by John Mark Comer. Um, and in passing, he describes prayer as an awareness of and connection to God. So Comer's book is all about adopting a lifestyle that's in sync with the Spirit. So right after he gives this definition of prayer in his book, Comer points out that Jesus doesn't specifically command us to do any specific spiritual disciplines. He models them. But as his followers, we are commanded to pray. So I'm going to go more into that a little bit later. What I want to do now is just tell you a story, um, and then we're going to walk through some of the components of prayer through it. So this is a story about one of my coworkers and a miraculous prayer that they prayed. Um, so I mentioned I teach ninth and 10th grade English. Um, my 10th graders every year have to take the MCA reading test. And this happens right before Easter break in the spring. Um, and what needs to happen is we, we all walk into a computer lab and they take the test, and it's my job to proctor them. So I, I spend the whole day just kind of staring off, watching them take a test. Um, something that I, I learned just as a teacher, they don't really teach you how to proctor a test well when you're in college. It's like a soft skill that you learn. But I learned that you can't ever make direct eye contact with a student who is testing because one of two things could happen. So the first thing that could happen is they might get freaked out. <laughs> The other thing that might happen, which, which I think is, is maybe more of an issue, is they will realize as soon as you lock eye contact that they really need to use the bathroom, like right now. They need to get out of that test. Um, <laughs> so that is why uh, there's usually two teachers in the room for MCA testing. There's me, the English teacher, and then there's usually a sub who's coming in so that we can like deal with the, the never-ending line of bathroom users to make sure that students don't cheat. So it was one of my first years I was, um, we were doing the MCA test. Um, and the sub in the room was a retired 
veteran teacher would come back. Um, and so we spent the week together and I really got to know her well over that week and we really bonded over the fact that she was a Christian. And so over the course of the week, she told me her testimony and how it connected to her teaching career. So she mentioned um, when she was in teaching school, she was painfully shy. She had a really bad stutter. Her face would turn bright red whenever she talked to anyone. But that didn't stop her from going into teaching. And so she took her first teaching job, and she said after the first couple days, students recognized that about her, and they used it to just pick her apart. They wanted to see if she would quit. So second night in, uh, she says she was in her room, and she just cried out to God because she was distraught. She said, God, if, if it's your will for me to be a teacher, you have to change something in me because I can't do this job in the state um, that I'm in. And she says that that was the last time she stuttered or turned red. So God used that prayer miraculously to give her a full teaching career to the point where she could retire and, and come back and help us during MCA testing. So at the end of that week, um, she, it was right before Easter, so she gave me these two Easter eggs that she made. Actually, I have a picture right here. They're pretty cool. They look like they're wooden, but they're not. <laughs> they're made, she dyed them with onion skins and vinegar. Um, and so every Easter, I take out these eggs, and I think about the ingredients she took to make them, and then I think about her miraculous prayer. And I just, I see just like onion skins and vinegar leave a really cool lasting impression. I think God can use our prayers to change us in a similar way. So here's kind of the big message about prayer today. Powerful prayers have two main ingredients, humility and thanksgiving. It's, it's not onion skins and vinegar. It's these two things. So both of these can work together to showcase God's power and to see how he can show up in our lives. Okay, so first I want to talk a little bit specifically about humility, what it is, what it isn't. So to define it, humility is a correct view of our role versus God's role in our lives. Here's some things that it's not. Humility is not a lack of confidence in yourself. It's not insecurity. It also is not a self-esteem downer. So if anything, if we experience humility the way that God intended for us to experience it, it should give us more security about who he made us to be and to help us trust him with our prayers. Jesus himself is the ultimate example of humility. So if we go to scripture, Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even on a cross. So we have that. He is humility. We also get glimpses of Jesus' humility through his prayer life. So when Jesus prayed in the garden right before he's executed, he prayed this prayer. Yet not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus enters tremendous but seemingly simple insight into prayer. God is in charge. We are not. So Jesus' humility in his prayer life isn't just good because prayer isn't just for peace or zen, like a meditation practice when we're feeling anxious. Because when Jesus prayed this prayer in the garden, he was so stressed, he was sweating blood. So even more, humility in prayer isn't just for the sake of us blindly surrendering for our own good, 
Instead, we can think of it as an invitation for us to experience God's power. So Jesus' humble prayer here on the screen and, and his death resulted in the best gift possible for humanity, a chance to know God, experience his spirit, and have redemption. So here's what humility looks like for us as Christ followers, if we're following in Jesus' example. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is his good and acceptable and perfect will. So we can't know God without first humbling ourselves before him. He wants to include us in his plan, and he wants good for us. And he's already given us his son, Jesus, so that we can know freedom through him. So if we go back to that picture of an egg, prayer isn't for God. It's actually more to leave a, an imprint on us as people. So God already has a perfect plan. He's just inviting us into it. Even more, going back to Comer's definition of prayer as an awareness of and connection to God, um, prayer can transform us to see how he's going to use us in his, his good and pleasing and perfect will. Okay, so now that we've defined prayer and humility, let's look at a story in scripture that showcases both of these together. This is kind of a long passage, so just bear with me as, as we read through it. Okay, this is the story about Jesus when he heals a boy with an unclean spirit. Here's what it says. And when they came to the disciples, they saw a great crowd around them and scribes arguing with them. And immediately all the crowd, when they saw him, were greatly amazed and ran up and greeted him. And then he asked them, what are you arguing about with him? And some from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And then he answered them, O oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood, and it has often cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw, oops, sorry, put the forward. And when Jesus saw the crowd come running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, You mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse, so that most of them said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. So long story, but did you catch how Jesus shows up for the Father in his humility? So in this story and in general, humility helps show us our limitations and boundaries. So the Father in the story has to acknowledge his limitations of his faith. And Jesus intervened and showed up in that Father's weakness in that place. 
So humility also drives us to lay down our own personal expectations about our lives. I'm convinced that there's probably nothing more challenging than being a parent having to watch your child go through pain that's outside of your control. So this father had been experiencing his son go through this terrible experience for like his whole life. And even when he brings his son to Jesus, the possession first gets worse, not better, to the point where everyone watching thinks the boy has died and that Jesus wasn't enough. But if we stick to the end of the story, if we made it all the way to the end, Jesus, um, it was a father's humility and his ability to trust Jesus to stand in the gap and work powerfully that saved this little boy's life. Not only did it save this little boy's life, but it ultimately increased the father's faith too in God. So all of us have limitations and boundaries and praise God for that. That means we can pray with humility and watch how God is going to meet us in our weakness. So I spend a lot of time thinking about my limitations and also comparing myself to others who don't have the same ones. Well, that might sound really humble. That's not humility at all because we already defined humility. Um, instead, that's insecurity. So I think a lot of us, too, think about just our limitations because it's January. So maybe you have a New Year's resolution. Um, and that's not a bad thing. It's, I think it's good to have New Year's resolutions. But I want to offer you an alternative perspective today about what humility looks like and what January can look like through the lens of humility and prayer. So for an example, one limit I currently have that I'm really self-conscious of is my social time and attention. So I have an almost two-year-old, and she goes to daycare. That means she's sick all the time. So <laughs> um, in this season, all my time and energy is largely being channeled into Audrey's needs. And a lot of the relationships that I had pre-Audrey are just on the back burner. And I grieve that sometimes. And uh, when I have to say no to, to friends or to experience, I feel really guilty. So if I wasn't a Christian, I think my New Year's resolution, resolution would be just to like, suck it up, figure out how to be a good friend. Even as a Christian, I think, if I'm really honest, I think when I ask God, like, wouldn't it just be a greater impact for the kingdom if I could just do it all? If I could take care of Audrey and care for the people I love in my life? But the reality is I really can't. I'm a very limited person, and that's a hard truth, but something that I can bring to God in prayer. So before I taught at Park Center, I taught in China for a year. Um, and so I want to talk about Lib, one of my coworkers who had a similar limitation, which was her social capacity. But her prayer life in that season is a testimony to how God showed up when, and how he will show up if we bring limitations to him. So I'm just going to tell this story. This is a picture of the university we taught at in China. Um, so I went with an organization that had kind of a dual purpose. Um, it was a, a teaching organization, so they taught us how to teach well. So that was our goal, is to teach English. The second objective, though, since it was a Christian organization, was if the opportunity arose to share Christ. So I was there one year. Lib was there for two years, so she had already been there a year. Um, and when we were in training to go to China, we got lots of practical advice about maybe how, how we could share Christ. And one of the suggestions was is we were going to live on campus, so they said, if you get the opportunity, maybe take meals with students. And the students really loved that. A lot of them uh, just were willing to be friends. I made a lot of good friends that way. Other students wanted to practice their English. Um, so once we got to China, you know, we were having lunch every day in the dining hall with students um, and building a lot of relationships. But it was Lib's second year there. So she had already built 
tons of relationships. And um, she had a lot of students who, who just wanted to go to lunch all the time. And so by the time the winter break rolled around, she realized she was burnt out. She was like beyond her max social capacity. Um, and so she was convicted and just decided, you know, instead of going to lunch with students, she wasn't going to go at all. Instead, she was going to stay in her room. She was going to take lunches alone and just pray during that time. And here's like where God showed up miraculously. So she had one student who she was really close with. And by the end of that year, that student accepted Christ as her savior. And then that student, her Lib's friend, had three roommates who also accepted Christ. So God showed up in amazing ways um, through just her prayer life and, and choice to, to bring her limitations to God. So looping back, I'll go back a little bit. Looping back my limitations about my current social time and energy in this season of motherhood, humility, we can view it as a blessing. So it shows me specifically that I don't need to do it all because I know that the God of the universe has the ability to stand in the gap. Instead of trying to do it all, I can spend time in prayer acknowledging my limitations and then trusting that God will meet my needs in this season appropriately so that I can rest in his good and perfect will and then focus on what he has for me today. So to recap a little bit about humility, having a humble prayer life means we have a correct view of God's role in our life versus our role. Humility allows us to be part of God's plan. It allows us to rest and experience peace, and it allows God to show up in supernatural ways that we couldn't even fabricate on our own. So instead of turning inward and getting down on ourselves for having limitations, if we focus upward, we can find peace in our limitations and praise God for how he covers us because we don't need to do it all. Okay, so we're going to add in this second ingredient to prayer, the, the one that kind of creates a cool reaction when, when humility and thanksgiving come together. Then that gives us an opportunity to thank God for our limitations because he is good, he's perfect, he's relational, he has the best in mind for those who love him. And ultimately, we can thank God because knowing him is our greatest treasure because he is sovereign over everything. So I want to look specifically at Thanksgiving and prayer. So we're going to do a little bit of a throwback. Um, in December, we studied Mary and Elizabeth um, leading up to the birth of Jesus. So we're going to look back at the Magnificat, which is Mary's prayer in the form of a song. She says this, this prayer when she learns she's pregnant with Jesus and she's visiting Elizabeth. So as I read the, just the first part of her prayer, I want you to pay attention to how Mary combines humbleness with thanksgiving. Here it is. This is Luke 1, 46 through 55. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he is mighty and has done great things for me, and holy is his name. So Mary does a great job here of praising God in the unknown. She humbly recognizes her limitations, and she has a ton of them. She's young. She's unmarried, about to maybe be broken up with by her fiancé. She's unestablished, and she's about to be uprooted because of a census. But she praises God because she knows that he's going to step in and cover where she falls short because he's using her as part of his plan. So she's invited him into her life, and her thanksgiving comes from being seen and used by God. 
So as believers, here's what thankfulness can look like for us. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So this is back to Comer's definition. We aren't commanded to do very many spiritual disciplines. We are commanded to pray and be thankful, though. So humility gives us the perspective we need to be thankful when we pray to God. And on top of that, we can always be thankful when we talk to God because he's above all of our circumstances. And he's always... He's already won for us in terms of salvation. So here, amongst all of our other prayer requests, we are commanded to pray and we're commanded to be thankful. Okay, so let's talk about application a little bit. I think a lot of people get a little bit intimidated by having a prayer life or think it might be for the super spiritual elite. But it isn't because, remember, step one is humility. Um, and so if we go back to, to Comer's definition, it's an awareness, and humility is just understanding our role versus God's role in our life. So there isn't anyone who has the power to be a super spiritual person because God just wants us to have an awareness of his presence and a connection with him. So that means he wants us to be involved in the things that we're thinking about through our day-to-day -day life. So what if you talked with God daily and you asked him to be involved in the things that you care about, both big and small? and thanked him for everything in your life. I think God would renew your mind daily and also show up in your life in powerful ways. I also think one other misconception we have is that prayer can only happen if you journal and do it at breakfast as soon as you wake up with a really good cup of coffee. You, you don't have to do it that way. <laughs> Christians have had really powerful prayer lives before Starbucks even existed. So <laughs> I think different seasons of life can bring about different ways which we can connect with God. So can you imagine if the, the father from the Mark passage sat down with his prayer journal and coffee while his son was in like a demonic rage? That wouldn't work. It just, and God wouldn't expect that. So Audrey, my daughter, is one and a half. She's entering terrible twos. The way she arches her back sometimes is just like, oh my gosh. So there are times where I think we, we get busy and maybe uh, having a morning routine isn't necessarily practical. But I think God, doesn't matter what season we're in, gives us touch points to connect with us. So each day, maybe maybe it's not at breakfast, maybe it's later in the day. So yesterday, for example, um, we went right before Audrey's bedtime to the Rosedale Mall, and we, we went to the kids' play area, and we just, we amped Audrey up right before bedtime. So by the time it was, it, we just put her down. Um, it just took a long time. And that ended up just being precious because I got to rock her to sleep, but also because that was my touch point of the day with God, to, to do some praying and reflecting um, and thanking him for who he is. So ultimately, God is really accessible. He's given us his Holy Spirit as an advocate who is with us and shows up in our prayer lives. And we're going to get more into that later on in the Walking with the Spirit series. But God understands and cares more about our awareness and our connection to him than a precise routine. So here are some ways to pray using humility and thankfulness besides just a breakfast quiet time. You can sing like Mary. Right? Maybe that happens in your car when you're alone. Um, you can go into nature like Jesus. Um, and something interesting that I, that I recently learned is, is when Jesus goes into w the wilderness, the word wilderness isn't necessarily like a desert. It can just be a quiet or alone place. So again, your car, 
<laughs> the, your commute is honestly a, a great place to have that touch point with God each day. You can pray with saints. So saints are other believers um, who have an awareness to and a connection to God. So if you need to recalibrate a little bit, praying with other people is a great way to do that. Um, but the point I want to focus on the most here before I end is this idea of an audacious prayer list. So uh, an audacious prayer list came up when I was in China. Um, and it was something that we created together that I still apply to my life. So just a little vocabulary nugget, because what kind of an English teacher would I be if I didn't maybe teach you a word? I, can, I usually say, like, impress your friends on the bus. Maybe you can impress your friends at dinner tonight with audacious. So the definition of that is just a willingness to take surprisingly bold risks. Um, and so when we were in China, we had a meeting one day. Um, usually we would pray together in our meetings. And um, we realized that our prayers were just getting very practical and not very big. So we sat down. We decided we are going to do something different, and we were going to dream with God. So we got a big piece of paper out, and we wrote down giant prayer requests that we had, things that would be, like, uh, bigger than a practical thing that we could just answer the next day. So um, we had hopes for ourselves, for our friends, just anything that was miraculous. There, there was really no boundaries on the things that we, we put on that audacious prayer list. Um, and the cool thing is God showed up and he answered some of those audacious prayers. So now I have an audacious prayer list on my phone. I have the names of myself and also my friends and family, people who I love, who I just pray, try and pray big prayers for. So God uses audacious prayers, which I think is amazing. And when we pray audacious prayers, something to know is it's not always on the timeline that we expect. It's usually on his timeline. So sometimes he's used audacious prayers that I've prayed to do, things that feel miraculous. And other times he uses it to change my heart or my mind about something I've prayed about to be more in alignment and give me more of an awareness of who he is and how he's working. So I think in general, some prayers that we have take time. So if you think about my MCA teaching colleague from the story at the beginning, she didn't have that boldness to do what she thought she needed for her job until after her first week as a new teacher. But God still showed up. And the father and Mark spent years caring for his son before they encountered Jesus. And then even in that story, Jesus tells his disciples that some things cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. So some things take praying for audaciously before you see a result, before you see God work. So something else about the word audacious, it has a positive connotation, which I read to you, that is the willingness to take surprisingly bold risks. But the secondary definition of audacious is negative, and that is showing an impudent lack of respect. And I think a lot of us get afraid to, to pray audacious prayers because we think they're too big. And we kind of think about that secondary definition, the negative one. Like, what if I'm asking too much for God? Or what if this is too big? Or, you know, God has already given it all on the cross. Like, why, why would I throw in this other little thing on top of that? That's, that's just uncomfortable. But remember, if you have that mindset, that secondary definition, that isn't real humility. That's false humility and incorrect thinking. So God has given us prayer so that we can have an awareness to and a connection to him. He wants to hear our audacious prayers. So going back just to the two main ingredients of prayers, God is 
going to God with humbleness and thankfulness free us up to pray big prayers. So humility puts Christ before us as our vision. Thankfulness helps us to connect with him and what he's already done and then trust what he's going to continue to do for us. So all in all, God has given us the gift of prayer to give us a perspective of who he is and a space for, to let us have him show up and move in our lives. So if you're a Christian, you already know humbleness. You know what it's like to go before God and say, I'm broken, I'm not worthy, but take me and use me anyway. That's humble. And we know being humble because Jesus is humble. And during Christmas last month, we walked through his humble birth. And then in a couple months from now, we're going to walk with him to the cross. So God is humble, and he expects us to be humble in prayer. He's not asking us as followers to be mighty, to have our lives together, or to be perfect prayer warriors. He's just looking for people who are willing to communicate with him with thanksgiving so that Jesus' name and power and glory can be magnified. So if you show God your limitations, he's going to meet you there, and he's going to show up audaciously. Okay, so in a moment, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to head into a time of worship through song and communion. So during this time, uh, members of the prayer team will be in the back. So if you have an audacious prayer or you're just looking for a touch point with God today, um, you should seek someone out because prayer is powerful, and I think it's especially powerful with other people. So for communion at Res City, anyone's welcome as long as you're a follower of Jesus. So please pray with me. God, thank you for making each of us in this room distinct with our own sets of gifts, but also shortcomings and limitations. Thank you for making us weak so that we can see your strength and power and be part of your perfect plan. Thank you for sending your son so that we can have the gift of prayer and know you better. Amen.